1: That's N-O-O-M dot com to sign up for your trial today.
0: You're listening to This Week in Fantasy Baseball.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to This Week in Fantasy Baseball. I'm Lee Keller, joined by John Kuh. On today's show, we will talk about the injury notes and roster moves, shed some light on the best player performances from this past week, and later on, we'll be joined by pitcherless writer Christian Crespo to talk about the playoff race this season in Major League Baseball. But before we do that, John, how's it going? How was your week? Week's been good. Uh, I was getting
0: really excited. Uh, We're recording this on Thursday. Uh, to see Shohei Otani pitch against the Twins on Friday. Yeah. It's looking like it's going to be raining the entire game, oh. which it's like, you know, you don't know if the Angels are going to let Shohei pitch, you know, right. in that kind of weather. um, It's going to be cold. Like the high is like 57. So it's going to be a cold, cold day regardless, even if it doesn't rain. So fingers crossed he pitches. But at the same time, then I have to go to a baseball game in the rain. which. Yeah, is that wouldn't be fun. fun. Yeah. Yeah but falls here. I don't know how the weather's looking out in New York, but in Minnesota uh it's, you know, finally at that crisp level. It feels it feels like fall and uh it feels like uh playoff baseball's coming.
1: It's that feeling of that time of the year where you're like out of all your fantasy leagues or in the playoffs and everything's kind of dwindling down and then you're yep. trying your hardest to just root for your team and watch baseball and enjoy baseball for what it is. <laughs> mhm. Yeah. So, we're in that Sort of era. I've been happy to watch the Mets. We had a little bit of a winning streak there. It was fun. I actually went to the game last Saturday. I want to say it was a Gary Cohen bobblehead day to complete a three-piece set. And oh yeah, this, that's right. Yep. Yeah, the set was Keith Hernandez, Ron Darling, and Gary Cohen all in the booth, and it all connects. Yep. It's actually really cool. I'll show you a picture after the podcast, of course. But it's a really cool bobblehead set. I was happy to be able to get all of them and go to each game. My dad and I went, and I'm officially six and zero at Mets games this season when I'm in attendance. So it's oh, nice. It's a really good feeling, man. I feel happy about that. And I don't think I'll be going to another game this year, unless it's the playoffs. I'll be going to every playoff game. I can, if it's the postseason, I'm there. So hopefully yeah. we get to go to many playoff games and I'm able to see the Mets win the world series, but hopefully your twins can sneak in there. It's not looking too good though.
0: It, I'm basically resigned to the fact that it's not happening. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, their elimination number is at four and, um, uh, Cleveland just basically has to win four games for the rest of the season to eliminate the Twins no matter how well they do. So, uh, yeah, it's not looking too hot.
1: Yeah, that's never good when you're relying on another team to lose a bunch of games. You want to be the ones that are driving the field. But, yeah, it's, it's a rough situation. Right. On the bright spot, though, we're currently uh, in the Pitcherless Playoff semifinals. Okay.
0: Uh, we're up 5-4. Let's and go. We still have starts from Chris Bassett, Andrew Heaney, And Kyle Wright left.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: Unfortunately, uh, we started Jose Barrios today, who got wrecked by the Rays. Yeah. um, And we didn't start Jamison Tyone, who dominated the Red Sox. Yikes.
1: Well, I believe in the process. I think we're still going to be fine. Let's just finish strong, you know?
0: Yep. And, you know, we win this, and we're in the
1: finals. So, uh, you
0: know, not bad for our
1: first year in the league. No, I'll take it. Hey. A top three finish would be fine by me. I'd like to win, of course, but hey, a top three finish I'll take. I'm trying to finish top three in my pitcherless grapefruit league. And uh, yeah. that was the one I told you all about last week where I was playing someone who was inactive and I lost, so that was uh, not great. And also the first place team, him and I were first and second the whole season in the regular season, and then mm-hmm. we both lost in the first round of the playoffs after a bye.
0: Yeah, yeah. That, H- that's fantasy baseball playoffs. Yep.
1: Yeah, hate to see it. On those one-week eliminations, you just hate to see it. Yep. But before we get into the injury notes and roster moves, I'd like to remind all of you that you can follow our podcast on Twitter, at This Week PL, and you can send us your questions and comments to our email, thisweekplpod at gmail.com. If you want to ask about anything fantasy related, it's kind of dwindling down, so I'm assuming no questions will be coming through, but hey, prove me wrong. But be sure to write us an email or send us a tweet. Lastly, make sure that you subscribe to or follow the podcast on whatever streaming platform that you listen to your podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. We are on every single one of them, so make sure that you subscribe to the podcast and leave a five star review. If you enjoy listening to us now, let's get into the injury notes and roster moves before we could even welcome him back. Ozzie Albies of the Braves was placed on the 10 day IL with a fractured right pinky finger. He most likely won't play again during the regular season, which doesn't help us fantasy managers, of course, but he will likely be ready for the postseason. So if you're a Braves fan, that's good news. But man, what a rough break for Ozzie Albies, John. (laughs) I mean, if you drafted this guy, you must be so disappointed.
0: Yeah, the only nice thing is that for the Braves, they got Vaughn Grissom, who's just, you know, pretty Breaking. serviceable. Yeah, yeah, he's been great. He's, he's been pretty solid. So, I mean, it's good good for Atlanta that, you know, what guy comes down, they have they have the solution already available. So, um, yeah, but it's been tough because even at the beginning of the season, Albies was not playing that well. So, right. yep. for a guy who, you know, I don't want to say crazy things, but he probably like, you know, a top three, top five second baseman for sure.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely, um, definitely.
0: And uh, he basically did not deliver at all this season, so it's, it's just tough to see that.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. Anybody who drafted Ozzy Albies this year, I feel for you because he definitely wasn't performing well, and then he got hurt for pretty much the whole season, so you hate to see it, but at least the Braves, if you're a Braves fan, have people to come up, like you said, like Vaughn Grissom and Michael Harris has been shining this year, so they've just yep. really been able to plug in guys wherever they need it, so very impressive. But speaking of the Braves, Spencer Strider of the Braves is dealing with a sore left oblique and will have his next start pushed back at least a few days. You don't want to hear that if you're in the midst of your fantasy playoffs, of course, you want him to start, but that oblique bothering him a little bit. Strider dominated the Phillies on Sunday, but left his start after six innings with a barking oblique muscle. Hopefully it doesn't lead to an IL stint, but you never know. So keep an eye on Strider and hopefully he pitches again for your fantasy playoffs. Yandy Diaz of the Rays has missed three straight games due to soreness in his left shoulder. Shane McClanahan of the Rays said that he fully expects to make his next scheduled start on Sunday against the Blue Jays. McClanahan was removed in the top of the fifth inning on Tuesday against the Astros due to left neck tightness and spasms. Jose Altuve of the Astros was diagnosed with left elbow discomfort and is considered day-to-day. He was pulled from Wednesday's game after being hit by a pitch on his elbow, but luckily avoided a major injury. Michael Kopech of the White Sox was placed on the 15-day IL on Saturday, September 17th with right shoulder inflammation. Brandon Nimmo of the Mets underwent an MRI on his injured left quadriceps on Thursday. The results came back good. He's considered day-to-day for now. He was pulled in the first inning from Wednesday's game against the Brewers after sustaining the injury. He looked to be in a little bit of pain, but he said it was okay afterwards, and the MRI proved that he was okay. So he's day-to-day for now. If you roster him, just make sure you have him on your bench and put him in when he's back in the lineup. Max Scherzer of the Mets returned from the 15-day IL on Monday, September 19th. We'll talk about his performance in just a bit. Tyler O'Neill of the Cardinals was placed on the 10-day IL on Saturday, September 17th with a left hamstring strain. Tyler O'Neill has been injured this whole season. Every time you look, he's just on the IL for 10 days, on the IL for 15 days. It's just non-stop with this guy. Sonny Gray of the Twins was placed on the 15-day IL on Tuesday, September 20th with a right hamstring strain. Of course, right after I talk him up and say how good he's been, stardom, no problems, he goes down with an injury. The old, this week in fantasy baseball curse, as we like to call it now. (laughs) However, he's been battling this for a while and re-aggravated on Monday, so it's not like it's a new injury, but still, I don't feel any better. Jorge Polanco of the Twins experienced renewed soreness during his rehab outing for Triple A St. Paul, and the team is unclear when he will resume his rehab assignment. My guess he's probably done for the regular season. John, do you have any comments on Jorge Polanco? Do you think he's out?
0: I don't see a reason for the Twins to bring him back. I agree. uh, Except, you know, just to see how how he's doing. But, yeah, there's basically nothing to play for at this point. So I don't see why they would rush him um, if he is really kind of dealing with that. And and similarly, Byron Buxton, too. Um, Yeah. I, I just don't see either of them really coming back this season.
1: There's no need to rush them. They're not playing for anything, and they don't need tune-ups or anything like that. They'll be fine for next season. So yeah, leave them on the shelf probably. It sucks if you're a fantasy player and you need both of them, but it happens. It sucks. Yep. Eugenio Suarez of the Mariners was placed on the 10-day IL on Saturday, September 17th with a fractured right index finger. He was able to swing a bat and take soft toss in the batting cage on Wednesday, so it seems like he's progressing well. Trevor Story of the Red Sox was placed on the 10-day IL on Thursday, September 22nd, retroactive to September 19th with a left heel contusion. And last but not least, DJ LeMahieu of the Yankees, who is currently on the 10-day IL with right toe inflammation, might be returning sometime this week. But I found this really weird, John. Manager Aaron Boone said that he isn't likely to be at 100% when he's activated. So why are you activating him? I am very lost at that. I know you're in the midst of a playoff race and you want to win games, but this seems pretty stupid. No? Uh, I mean, no one else on that team can hit, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's not a guy who has like 60 home right. or anything. I don't. Right, exactly.
0: I mean, would you take 90% DJ LeMahieu compared to? I don't even know who's the backup. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's like maybe it's like John Carlo plays in the outfield and they. They're substituting, um
1: like maybe Aaron Hicks is DHing, and then yeah, like Harrison Aaron Bader's is D- playing center right. field,
0: right? Or oh, who's the speedy outfield they have? Like Tim, 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 Tim LaCastro. Castro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you're, are you going to take ninety percent DJ LeMahieu Le or Tim Le was Like, I'll take DJ out there.
1: That's a very fair point. I didn't think yeah, about if, it like that. If he's,
0: if, yeah, if he's just swinging a bat, right? If they don't need him to to play defense, you know, I could see it. I could see why they're willing to bring him back.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. And any other comments about any of these guys on the IL? Uh, Basically, you can
0: drop these guys because they're probably not going to be playing for the, for your fantasy teams.
1: So Yeah, yeah, I know Altuve comes back on Friday, so he's someone you could stick with. Strider, yep. I don't, if he lands any time on the IL, he's gone. Shane McClanahan yep. says he'll make his next start. He's not really to be worried about. Albies, you can drop. Nimmo, if you roster him, you probably should just drop him. Kopech yep. can be dropped. Tyler O'Neill can be dropped. All these guys are just droppable.
0: Yeah, it's, it is kind of that weird point of the season where literally nothing matters except for the next week of games.
1: Yep, exactly.
0: Well, speaking of the week of games, uh, we're going to go to our weekly performance recap. And just as a reminder, we get most of our hitter and pitcher highlights from the daily articles over on the Pitchless website. Uh check out the batter's box and the sp roundup articles they're out every morning um and they're incredible resources to read to see how players performed each day but getting right into it starting on friday september 16th yordan alvarez of the astros four for four three home runs three Jeez. runs three rbis in any other year right like look at yordan's stat line it's 91 runs 37 homers 94 RBIs, a 303 average and a 1.031 ops um yeah, that's MVP numbers, uh, but unfortunately for Jordan, uh some guy called Aaron Judge is currently on pace to finish with a triple crown and potentially break the AL home run record, so Jordan Alvarez, you know, just one of the hottest hitters in baseball, but really just playing at the wrong time. Uh, three homers is certainly a way to remind people, though, by the way, Astros do have the best record in the AL, and I think they're the favorites to win the pennant for sure, so uh, it, it's nice to be at least on that team where, you know, you have a pretty decent route
1: to the World Series. Um, Jordan Alvarez is going to be a big part of that team. So look out for him in October. That's crazy. Jordan Alvarez is having such a good season, but I don't even think he finishes second in the <laughs> AL MVP yeah, race. He probably his best, best is
0: third probably for, for Alvarez.
1: Yeah, I would assume he comes in third and Judge and Shohei Ohtani are one and two. I mean, yeah. what a season for Alvarez. And hopefully he does well in the postseason, but obviously I'm um, actively rooting against any team that's not the Mets.
0: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and speaking of the Mets, Eduardo Escobar, uh, two for three with a homer, two runs, three RBIs, and a walk on Saturday. Uh, we don't get to talk about my man, Eduardo Escobar, that often. I, I love Escobar. Uh, but it's probably because he's not really fantasy relevant. You can probably speak to <laughs> that as well. Um, he did hit his 18th homer on Saturday, bringing his season OPS up to 726, which is why, uh, yeah, he's not that fantasy relevant. Still, the Mets are really gonna need some Escobar magic as they push towards a division crown. He's just one of my favorite guys. He's kind of that scrappy player. I love him in the clubhouse. Uh just a, a ray of sunshine. Um, I love it when Escobar does anything good.
1: Yeah, he's a great baseball player, just straight up, like a great baseball player. Like you want him on any yeah. team. Like he's the guy yep. you would love to have as a fill in piece. And everyone loves him in the clubhouse. They say he's like the best guy in the clubhouse. So yeah. really cool dude. I'm glad he's on the Mets. I like him a lot.
0: Yeah, it's weird though that this season is like kind of the one season that he didn't go on his like crazy home run. Yeah,
1: streak. yeah.
0: Because that that's Escobar's bread and butter. He just hits a home run and then he kind of like, oh, that's right, I I can hit these. And it just like gets like five in a row or something.
1: Usually he like hits that. between twenty five and thirty homers, and this year he's slacked yeah. a little bit. Yeah, he went through a little yeah. bit of a rut this year.
0: Yeah, clearly, uh, the the lights of uh, City Field are maybe too much for Escobar. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, moving on, up, uh, Aaron Judge, yeah, that guy. Uh, the Yankees four for five with a double. Two home runs, three runs, four RBIs, and a walk. I personally don't believe that Judge is somehow in the running for the Triple Crown. Um, Luis Arias of the Twins, obviously, was was kind of in the running for batting champ uh, the entire year. But Judge managed to uh, get over him just a little bit. I think it's like 317 or 316 right now. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, he also hit Dinger's 58 and 59 on Sunday uh, to lead the Yankees over the Brewers. He's definitely not done yet. He hit his 60th, I believe, on Tuesday. Um, Judge Watch is definitely going to be fun the last weeks of the season. Uh, we were recording this on Thursday and Judge hit a towering fly out to the warning track. Yeah, uh, I saw that. In the ninth inning. Yeah, it was hilarious because it literally went 404 feet, but dead center is 408 in Yankee
1: Stadium. So, um, yeah, Aaron Judge, just warning track power. (laughs) It's (laughs) honestly incredible what Aaron Judge is doing. I personally think it's a top five offensive season of all time. Yeah. Right, it, like it, there is some crazy, crazy, yeah. There's some crazy stuff from back in the day, like Ted Williams' season, and you can pull any guy's season and be like, "This is insane." But just to think about the level of competition nowadays, like every pitcher, even the fifth pitcher on every team, throws like 98 miles per hour and a wicked slider. So, right. it's really impressive to see what Aaron Judge is doing. And I have a fun little question for you right now because I was yeah. discussing this with a few friends and whatnot. But uh-huh. let's say you go to the Yankees game, right? You're in the outfield and. You catch home run number 61 or 62, and you could say the same thing for Albert Pujols. You catch home run number 700, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Would you just give that ball up and just say, hey, yeah, I just want an autographed ball and a picture? I personally think, I'll give my opinion before you give yours, I think that you got to hold on to that ball and put it in auction. As much as I want to give the guys (laughs) their accomplishments, and I truly believe in that. Like, if someone hits their first home run... I'm going to give it to them for free and just take a picture with them and get an autograph bat or whatever. That's all cool. But these are balls that can change your life. Like, no joke, that 61st or 62nd homer from Judge, that ball will go for six digits in auction. And same with Albert Pujols' 700th homer. That's a million dollars.
0: Yeah. It is kind of those weird questions because, like, I mean, you probably are more plugged in. But, yeah, the sports memorabilia market is insane now. Um, it's
1: and, crazy it, it boomed over yeah. the pandemic like really heavy like yeah all cards mm-hmm. Pokemon baseball basketball football all of that stuff skyrocketed during the pandemic it's come down a little bit now but it's still mm-hmm. insane it's through the roof and yeah. if you catch one of those balls man like I said one million dollars to us is life-changing yeah. to Aaron Judge it means absolutely <laughs> nothing it's a a stain on the mere contract that he's going to sign yeah. next season but for us, that's life-changing, man. Like I would love to just meet Aaron Judge, take a picture, and whatnot. I mean, I'm not catching this home run. Let's not get it twisted. But yeah, yeah. If I did, I think I wouldn't blame someone if they put it out for auction because that's life-changing yeah. money, man. Come on.
0: I w- yeah, I wouldn't blame I wouldn't blame anyone for what would you that do? Ball. I think I give it back, but I think I think you just you know ask for a little bit extra than just you know like a, a bat or a.
1: You need a at picture. least season tickets behind home plate, like if you're a Yankee fan, <laughs> or you need, at least at the bare minimum, <sighs> yeah, you have that's to have true. some sort of under the table deal. There's that's history yeah. right there. That ball is yeah. worth a million dollars.
0: No, you're not wrong,
1: right? Like you have to, you have to request get something. get those season,
0: I t- get those season tickets and immediately scalp them.
1: Right. Yeah, Yeah. yeah 100%. Right. Same here. Same <laughs> Same here. Same thing. Especially if it was a Yankees season tickets. Um, oh, goodness. Yeah. I have those, no desire yeah. to
0: watch the Yankees. No shot.
1: Both of Yankees. us are in the same boat on that one.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. So, but yeah, thanks for the tickets. I'm never going to use them. So. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's the way you get your million dollars. Right, exactly.
0: Well, moving on to pitchers uh, for the weekend. Matt Manning and the Tigers went seven innings with zero in runs, three hits, no walks, and five strikeouts against the White Sox. You remember when we got super excited about Matt Manning after six shutout innings against the Giants? I had to look it up. It was about basically a month ago. Yep. Um, yeah, he kind of fell flat on his face against Seattle the next game out and then had a not-so-great outing against Kansas City. He did get a quality start against the Royals again, though, uh, and then pitched another gem against the White Sox. Um I don't know if this is here to stay for Matt Manning. I, this is more kind of a maybe next season prognostication. Who knows if he's going to be kind of back at this level next next year? Who, who you know it, maybe. Right. Um. He did just pitch a dud against the Orioles on Wednesday, though. So he's just you know that kind of average pitcher who will get you, you know, seven shadow innings one game and then give up five runs the next game. Yeah. Um, he gets the Royals and the Mariners next. I just don't think he's a guy that you should rely on in your championship teams. Even if he's available out there and you need a start to, you know, maybe complete a week uh, in, in your championship, I just don't think he's worth the risk. Um, and then Dakota Hudson of the Cardinals, eight innings, zero on in runs, six hits, two walks and five strikeouts gets the Reds. Congratulations if you streamed Hudson on Saturday because, wow, what a start. The ground ball rate was actually a little lower than usual. Um, I mean, you know, we're talking about 10 percentage points here over, you know, about... 15 balls in play so it's, it's not really that notable but you know it worked out for dakota hudson um he's probably out of the rotation now though um cardinals do have kind of a little bit of a log jam there um and obviously with the season kind of coming to a close uh you know they're shortening rather rotation uh but even if he does start it's going to be against the dodgers so i'd probably just avoid that altogether and then joe ryan to the twins 7.2 innings zero and runs three hits two walks and five strikeouts against the guardians He's probably been the lone bright spot for the Twins this September. Sunday Gray had a good start, but, you know, like we mentioned, he's back on the IL. Um, he got no seven no-hit innings against the Royals just last week, and then he did lose a step uh, on Sunday as well, giving up only three hits to the Red Hot Guardians. The slider still didn't do too much. Um, I personally just hope he gets that and the other secondaries working this offseason because that fastball, for some reason, just works. And I would love to see Joe Ryan really take that next step if possible.
1: I think Matt Manning and Joe Ryan are both very interesting candidates to take steps forward next season. They're guys that you mm-hmm. want to draft late in your drafts and just hope that they add what they need to. Like Matt Manning just needs yeah. to improve his command a little bit. Joe Ryan needs to add that off-speed pitch and make sure that's a good whiff pitch. And these mm-hmm. two guys could be really, really good.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, like Joe Ryan has already shown that he is like the stuff to hang as like a top 50 pitcher. Yep, you easily, know? Easily. um And he's literally doing that with one pitch. So it just... Yeah, it's kind of what we've talked about with Brady Singer over the past month. Just like, just needs that that secondary that can get guys to whiff or you know just get get easy outs because sometimes they just labor. I mean, like the reason why he got pulled out of that seven no hit inning game was because he was already at ninety plus pitches by the sixth inning. So right. Um, so yeah, if they can just be more efficient, that would be great.
1: Joe Ryan, Brady Singer, Logan Gilbert, who hint hint, I'll be talking about in a moment. They all just once they add that pitch to their arsenal and improve those secondaries, they can be so good. So good.
0: It probably speaks to the difficulty of pitching that uh, it's hard to add that second or even that third pitch.
1: Oh, yeah. No, it's definitely hard to do. I mean, it's not easy at all. Otherwise, we would be doing that and not doing this podcast. So, (laughs) Now, moving on to Monday, September 19th, from the Batters Box article Grand Slam Tana from Mark Stubinger, we talk about the title boy, Carlos Santana of the Mariners. He went two for five with two home runs, two runs, and five RBI. Great game from Santana, hitting a home run from both sides of the plate. One being a Grand Slam, which is phenomenal. Since being acquired by the Mariner, Santana's K percentage has risen, and his walk percentage has plummeted. The K percentage went from 13.2% to 19%, and the walk percentage went from 17% to 12.1%. Those are not good trends, but it's not too bad when you realize that Santana is just completely selling out for power. He only hit four home runs and was slugging 341 in 212 plate appearances with the Royals, In 236 plate appearances with the Mariners, he's at 15 home runs with a 436 slugging percentage. So big improvements there. Obviously comes with a little bit worse plate discipline, but you take that when you're getting the actual results. He's not really fantasy relevant with a 199 batting average, but in deep, deep leagues, he could be a good corner infielder for the final few weeks of fantasy. Ahmed Rosario of the Guardians went 2-4 for with a homer, 3 runs, 3 RBI, a walk, and 2 stolen bases filled up the stat sheet in this game. Rosario is up to 11 home runs and 16 stolen bases for the year now, and he sports a career-best strikeout rate of 16.8% and WRC Plus of 104. He's been scorching hot over the last month, and it's nice to see that someone that bats ahead of Jose Ramirez is playing well. Between him and Jimenez, who were both acquired from the Mets, the Guardians have a solid defense up the middle and two guys that could be legitimate 15-15 or even 20-20 guys for many seasons to come. And also, I wanted to give a quick mention to John Birdie of the Marlins, who went 3-for-5 with a homer and two steals. It's nice to see him contributing again. And Joey Manises of the Nationals, who went 4-for-4 with a steal. Manises has been incredible in the second half, and he reminds me a lot of Frank Schwindel from last season, who emerged in the final month of the year and was dominant, and then did nothing this year. So, I expect not too much from Joey Manises.
0: Yeah, he's kind of the, you know, journeyman guy. Yep. Bumped around from team to team. So good to see him kinda, you know, get his little cup of coffee in the majors and actually do well. And then speaking of Jimenez, he he is at that fifteen fifteen mark right now, which is kind yeah, of incredible. I think he has sixteen didn't...
1: homers and eighteen steals. I think that's yep,
0: right. Yep. Yep. That's what he's at right now. And uh I did not I mean, we all knew the speed was there, but he only had five homers last year and about the same number of played appearances. So the fact that he's tripled that this year, uh just yeah, shows that there's clearly something there and if he could continue that for the next few years, that's a really solid second baseman.
1: Yeah, he's really young, too. So he's just developing his power now. He's growing into his body and doing Mm -hmm. those kind of moves where he's going to hit more homers. And I don't think he's going to hit 20 regularly, but I could see him being a 15-30 guy, 15-25 guy. That's really possible. He can just only get better. Yeah, and the Guardians are definitely going to let him run. So Yeah. Yeah, why wouldn't they? But moving on to pitchers from the SP Roundup article, Hulk Logan from Nick Pollock. Speaking of... The people who need to add some pitches to their arsenal. Logan Gilbert of the Mariners. He went six innings, one earned run, four hits, one walk, and 11 strikeouts against the Angels. We've talked about Gilbert a lot on this podcast, whether it was choosing between him or Brady Singer in interviews or talking about how he needs to develop some good secondary pitches. Well, in this start, he threw a slower slider, which resulted in a 2.1 mile per hour velocity drop and it returned seven out of 30 whiffs. So, pretty positive change there throwing it slower as we keep saying if Gilbert just develops a good putaway pitch and positive secondaries to pair with that fastball he can be an ace of the future however for the rest of the season his schedule is really easy and he should hopefully return some great numbers like in this start and then Max Scherzer of the Mets six innings pitched no earned runs no hits no walks nine strikeouts against the Brewers Scherzer returned from the IL after having left oblique irritation and absolutely dominated the Brewers. He left his start with a perfect game in line. It's a shame that this was his first start back from injury because he only had 68 pitches and could have easily blanked the Brewers for the remainder of the game. He looked nasty. It's just great to see him back and healthy. Scherzer's one of the best in our generation. Kind of like Clayton Kershaw, who, shout out to him, carved up the Diamondbacks with six innings pitched, one earned run, six hits, and ten strikeouts great performance from him as well but yeah it's great to see that these guys who are just dominant pitchers come back and just even in their late ages like Justin Verlander and Scherzer and Kershaw still dominate batters to this day
0: yeah it's it's incredible that Scherzer is doing this um and he's not getting any younger but I don't see the the game like losing me (laughs) neither man it's scary he's super good he's so good he's gonna be good next year too it's just like He's going to continue dominating until he just decides he doesn't want to pitch anymore, I think. Yeah. Um, so, props to him. Going to Tuesday, September 20th, uh, if you like Peña Coladas, which is one of the best title names for Jim Chatterton, <laughs> uh, or getting caught in the rain. Uh, John Carlos Stanton brought the rain. Uh, uh, one for four with a home run, one run, four RBIs, and one walk on Tuesday. I hate the Yankees, but even I have to admit how amazing this moment was on Tuesday. The Yankees were down. Stanton hit a game-winning walk-off grand slam for his 27th of the season. Uh As we mentioned, Judge actually hit his 60th homer that game. Um, but yeah, it's kind of it's kind of hard to uh, not ignore a grand slam walk-off. Um, it was actually the second fastest this year for for the Statcast nerds. Um, Stanton, funny enough, also has the fastest homer on the season, so the power is clearly there. It just hasn't really been turning into actual homers. Um, It's been a really bad second half for Stanton. He's only got an OPS of 462, which is incredible, uh, considering that uh, quite a few players are slugging more than 462. Uh, The Yankees are definitely going to need Stanton to turn up. if They want any shot at going deep in the playoffs. This legitimately is the Aaron Judge show, and he doesn't have a supporting cast right now. So um, hopefully this unlocks a little bit for Stanton um and then speaking of playoffs Tasker Hernandez of the Blue Jays who are also in that wild card race 4 for 5 with two doubles three runs and an RBI uh the Blue Jays and the Phillies decide to forego defense in an 18-11 game you know a little bit of football score right there and Hernandez decided to contribute by getting on base four times and touching home three of those four times the outfielder has been really cold this september though he's been slashing 196 237 321 with the 57 wrc plus yikes uh really hope tail turn it around as the blue jays kind of push for that wild card spot and maybe make a difference in the playoffs but um he's been really just kind of hot and cold this season he was really cold and he also had an injury to start the season um he hasn't been the same guy that we saw last year, and maybe the injury has something to do with that, um, but really hoping Teo turns it around for this last, basically, month of baseball, um, and maybe next year uh, he'll be back to form.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, it's been a very disappointing year for Teoscar Hernandez. He's only been hurt a little bit, but I think that injury kind of lingered with him because yeah, he's been not too great this season. We expected big things, especially after the last two seasons that he's put up, so... Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, really, really unfortunate to see out of Teoscar Hernandez. And then Stanton, it's insane. He also, on Thursday, hit a homer as well for the Yankees. Yep. So he's mm-hmm. heating up at the right time for those Yankees. And it's funny because on Tuesday, I bowl league, and the Yankees and Mets games were on. And my friend is a big Yankees fan. So the game was on, and he was saying how Judge struck out with the bases loaded, and he's not clutch. And then he leads <laughs> off that inning, and I called it that he hit a 60th homer. And yeah. I was like, watch, Joe, he's going to hit this— Right now he's gonna get a homer. It's gonna be good. He's super clutch. And bam, he gets the home run. And yeah. I give him a bunch of crap for it. And I go, Man, you know, I told you he's so clutch. He goes, That's not clutch. There's no runners on base. He's so you know oh. he was doing all this stuff, and I was like, dude, he's super clutch. He started off the inning with a homer. That's clutch. And then it set it up and the bases were loaded. And That's said, so I go, dude, you gotta give Judge his props for being clutch. He started this whole rally and Stan's about to hit a walk off grand slam <laughs> and bam, walk off grand slam. I called both Judge and Stan's homers on the uh, exact yeah. pitch. On the exact pitch. Crazy.
0: I don't don't have the misfortune of experiencing this enough, but Yankee fans
1: who complain really annoy me. Yeah, Yankee fans are really bad, dude. Like, I don't even hate the Yankees. (laughs) Like, I'm happy when a New York team wins. Like, obviously, I want the Mets to beat the Yankees. Let's not get it twisted. Let's not try to take my words out. But if the Yankees are in it and the Mets are out of it, I want the Yankees to win. I want New York to be happy, you know, but it's the problem is when the Yankees do win, all the Yankee fans go, oh, Yankees are way better than the match, You know, and then it starts all this <laughs> stuff. That's the problem. You know, I like the team winning. I don't mind New York winning, but the fans are just unbearable. Yeah. I mean, the irony
0: is that being part of Pitcherless has exposed me to a lot more Yankees fans that, I've, you know, yeah. that they're, all, they're all pretty decent people. It's just that they root for the wrong team. That's yeah. All.
1: Yep. I, I couldn't agree more, John. I couldn't agree yeah. more.
0: <laughs> well, enough of the Yankee bashing. We're going to talk about pitching. Uh, with yeah. The Bravo Charlie article from Yankee fan Nick Pollock. Uh, Tyler Anderson to the Dodgers, six innings, zero and in runs, two hits, two walks, and six strikeouts against the Diamondbacks. The legend of Tyler Anderson continued on Tuesday with six shutout innings. He was really effective in getting outs off balls in play. Even got six strikeouts to boot. His K numbers have not been good this year. So the fact that he even averaged, a, a you know, a, a nine K per nine is pretty solid. He's 13th in the ERA and 16th in whip this season. Um, yeah, let me know if you saw that coming. Just an incredible season from Tyler Anderson. It does not look like it's slowing down anytime soon. And then Charlie Morton of Atlanta. 5.1 innings, one and run, three hits, three walks, and nine strikeouts against the Nationals. Morton took advantage of Natty Light, got a golden goal with a 41% CSW and 19 whiffs. Uh, The curveball was elite on Tuesday. Uh, Good for Charlie Morton. Um, He's really struggling. He had given up three earned runs in multiple starts in his last four starts. So uh, just kind of tough going for Morton, but good to see him kind of get back on track, especially as Atlanta makes their playoff push. Um, They've clinched a spot. Um, And now it remains to be seen if they're going to win the NL East or not.
1: Yeah. As bad as Charlie Morton season's been Tyler Anderson season's been that in reverse. It's been great. So really weird. Morton's been struggling as of late, like you said, and Tyler Anderson has been cruising this whole year, man. I wish I could go back into the interview we did and say, I take Tyler Anderson over every guy we suggested. I don't believe
0: it. Just kind of like when he came on the scene with the Dodgers, right? We were just kind of like, Oh, Tyler Anderson, right? Pirates pitcher. Yeah. He's not going to be any good. And, every time you know you've been waiting for the other shoe to fall and it hasn't it hasn't he's been been so consistent it's kind of ridiculous
1: yeah it's actually really really wild but hey good for Tyler Anderson but moving on to Wednesday September 21st from the batter's box article where's Oswaldo from Dave Swan honestly there weren't any standout players that I'd like to dive deeper into from Wednesday's games some guys had great games which I'll highlight but it's either guys that aren't super relevant or that we've already spoken about recently but Stephen Kwan of the Guardians went 3-for-5 with a homer, 2 runs, an RBI, and a steal. Kwan has actually been on fire as of late with 14 hits in his last 5 games. However, the homer only gives him 5 on the year, but the SB gives him 17. As I mentioned with Rosario, it's nice to have a guy that gets on base 4, Joe Ram, to knock them in, so Stephen Kwan, he's been up and down this season, but overall, not bad for a guy who just made the team. Then JT Realmuto of the Phillies went 2-for-5 with a homer, a run, an RBI, and a steal. That makes 21 homers and 18 stolen bases for Real Muto this season. Just two more steals to reach the coveted Catcher 2020 season that only Pudge, Ivan Rodriguez, did in 1999. Insane. And then, fan favorite here on the podcast, Adolis Garcia of the Rangers. Went 2-for-3 with a double, a run, and 2 RBI. As we mentioned before, Garcia just keeps on trucking. He's one steal away from a 25-25 season, and he's cut down on his strikeouts this whole year is only getting better, and his draft stock is only increasing.
0: Yeah, I don't have much to add here, except it's kind of fun to follow the Real Muto 2020 season. Let's see if it happens. Um, honestly, that's even, I'm not saying that's more intriguing than the Holman races, because the Holman races are really cool. But a catcher getting 20 steals uh, would be ridiculous. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's really cool to watch all these things. Judge, Real Muto, there's a lot of things to watch right now. Pujols, a lot of cool things to follow right now in baseball. So stay tuned in, people, because a lot of interesting things are happening. But moving on to pitchers from the SP Roundup article, True Lyles by Nick Pollock. The reason why there weren't any great hitting performances to highlight is because pitchers went crazy on Wednesday. I wish I could talk about all of them, but I can only mention a few. I really didn't want to talk about this guy, but he made me do it with this ridiculous performance. Jordan Lyles of the Orioles, he went nine innings pitch, one earned run, three hits, no walks, and six strikeouts against the Tigers. There's not really much to talk up about Lyles. His slider had a 44% CSW, and the Tigers are horrible. It was a match made in heaven. His next matchups are the Red Sox and Yankees, so there's really nothing to see here from a fantasy perspective, but if you streamed him against the Tigers, then congratulations to you. Blake Snell of the Padres went seven innings pitch, no earned runs, two hits, two walks, and 13 strikeouts against the Cardinals. Through six innings, Snell carried a no-hitter against the Redbirds. He had a jaw-dropping 29 whiffs, which in Nick's words is a gallows pull for the day. When Snell is in his bag, he is untouchable, and today he was in that bag. It's unfortunate that since his Cy Young year, there's been a lot of ups and downs for Snell, but he reminded us all of what he's capable of with this one. I think I'll have a lot of shares of Snell next season when his value is kind of dwindling in the abyss where it's in that mid-range zone. I'm going to take a lot of flyers on Snell. I think he's great. Then Jesus Lizardo of the Marlins went 6.2 innings pitched, one earned run, three hits, one walk, 11 strikeouts against the Cubs. Lazardo's fastball had a 41% CSW and his curveball had a 48% CSW. Those are elite numbers. As Nick mentions in the SP Roundup, Lizardo's changeup took a step back in this one. And if he can really improve that pitch, he will be an undeniable ace when paired with his 98 mile per hour fastball and hellacious curveball. It's actually sickening to watch. And then... I normally don't mention four pitchers, but we have to because Tristan McKenzie of the Guardians went eight innings pitched, two earned runs, six hits, no walks, and 13 strikeouts. What's with the 13 strikeouts on Wednesday against the White Sox? McKenzie had a 46% CSW against the White Sox with 23 whiffs. What a ridiculously dominant performance out of T-Mac. No, that's not his actual nickname. At least I don't think it is. And yes, I know of Tracy McGrady, but I'm calling him it anyways. T-Mac was dominant. If he could control his slider a bit better, he's going to be lethal. For years to come
0: yep just another Cleveland pitcher ready to terrorize yep. my twins
1: yep something in the water over there in Cleveland that these pitchers are just dominant man it's incredible
0: but going back to Blake Snell actually kind of something I was thinking about was you know if everything's firing on all cylinders for the Padres like they've got a one two three punch of you Darvish Joe Musgrove who admittedly is not doing super hot right now right and then Blake Snell right like that's a really solid one two three uh, pitching uh, lineup that you can send out in the playoffs.
1: Um, yeah. I was talking I, to a friend today and I said, I don't want the Padres to make the postseason because they have a really good bullpen. They're yep. three rotation guys. Insane. And then you mm-hmm. have a pretty good lineup. It's not the greatest and Soto struggling, but really good capable lineup. I mean, they could be real scary. They're a scary playoff team.
0: Yeah. And it's kind of funny too. I mean, he's really fallen off this year. But Sean is also on that team, and right, yeah, he just needs to have. I, I mean, we don't, we don't really know what's up with Sean Maniah, right? He's just been terrible this year. But somehow, if he unlocks something in the last couple of weeks of the regular season, he's suddenly you've got like, yeah, I won't say ace level, but like a really solid fourth pitcher that you can that you can send out
1: there and relieve. So, oh, absolutely, maniah has um, been such a big disappointment to me this year but he can definitely perform in the playoffs and even as a long reliever I mean he's a dominant lefty so yeah they've got a lot of options there
0: yeah it's probably the one team that I would say like is really solid from one to three but then I can't really say that because Joe Musgrove's not doing too well
1: right and the Mets once again DeGrom Scherzer Bassett I mean pretty yeah. hard to beat that
0: <laughs> it's really hard to beat that I, I'm li- I'm like struggling to think about another team I mean like probably the Dodgers
1: Dodgers are the yeah, only Brewers, other team maybe that can, like really commit
0: yeah Brewers maybe, but even then, they're not in the playoffs right, right. now.
1: So. Yeah, they're still on the fringe.
0: Yeah, who knows? Uh, well, moving on to Thursday, speaking of the Brewers, Colton Wong, uh, three for four with three hits, three homers, five RBIs. Uh Yeah, that's right. Three hits, three homers. Let me know if you had <laughs> Colton Wong hitting three homers in a game on your MLB bingo sheet. Wong has actually had a pretty reasonable season. His uh, This game got him to 15 homers and 15 steals. Admittedly, it was a three-homer game, so he was at 12 homers and 15 steals before Thursday. But he's been above league average in most of the noble categories, and honestly, that's pretty much all you expect from Wong. A good guy to have your bench. You can slot in at a middle infield position from time to time if your, if your league is that deep. Um, I've picked him up a couple times this year just to, you know, see if there's a flash in the pan there. But, you know, that that speed power combo is, is, is pretty solid, especially in a roto league. So good on Colton getting three homers today. And then Jared Kelenic with the Mariners, two for three, two RBIs, a double and a homer. Something must have clicked for Kelenic during his last demotion of AAA because he came back to the big leagues with a vengeance, got a solo shot, an RBI to the tie the game at five apiece, and then also scored the winning run for the Mariners. I'd probably still hold off on picking up Kelenic for your final championship push, but just to keep an eye out and see if he continues this over the next few games, you can always use a hot bat, especially in deeper leagues where you're just trying to find that fifth outfielder. Uh, Kellnick might be that guy uh, in in the last week of the season.
1: Yeah, Colton Wong's been on fire, and if you need a hot bat, he's someone to grab, especially in the middle infield or second base. He's been great, and Kellnick obviously was a Met, traded to the Mariners in the Edwin Diaz deal, and he's yep. been horrible. But I think you know he's someone you still got to look out for. He's still developing. He's still real young. So next year in drafts, he might be a sneaky take in the late late rounds.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I think partially the pressure is a little bit off him because of how good J-Rod is, right? Kelnick doesn't have to be the guy that, you know, basically is is the forefront of the the franchise. So, you know, maybe that works out for Kelnick. Um, The Mariners weirdly have had, like, a really bad track record of uh, outfielders, like, doing really well, and then all of a sudden being terrible. I'm just thinking of, like, uh, Kyle Lewis, Rookie of the Year, and then all of a sudden he's demoted to AAA this year. Um, Kelnick, obviously, a lot of struggles last year and this year as well, being demoted to AAA twice. Um, But, you know, maybe something's working out for the Mariners and and this youth movement can actually continue. So uh, hopefully it works out for them. Obviously, they're in line for the playoffs. So um, maybe get some good experience for those young guys.
1: Yeah, that's a great point that the spotlight's kind of off of him now that J-Rod's there. So maybe he can shine. We'll see.
0: Moving on to pitchers Brandon Woodruff of the Brewer six innings three hits one and run two walks and 11 strikeouts against the Reds. Uh, Woodruff figured out the best way to prevent runs at Great American Small Park by basically striking half the side out. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of incredible He had a 35% CSW had a 56% CSW on the changeup with 16 thrown. Uh, that's just elite stuff right there. Woodruff has had four straight excellent starts, and the Brewers are really going to need him to continue dominating. If they want any shot at getting the last wildcard spot, they're two and a half games out. The Phillies are dealing with a bunch of injuries. Um, the door is a little bit open for the Brewers to sneak in. I ultimately don't think they're going to make it, but um, Woodruff is doing his best to make sure that they try. And then Jack Flaherty of the Cardinals. Six innings, four hits, two run runs, four walks, and nine strikeouts against the Padres. It wasn't pretty. Those four walks do not look fun. Uh, But Flaherty managed to eke out a win against the Padres. Got some well-timed help from Brandon Donovan, who hit a grand slam in the 7th. What's promising was that the velocity was actually up in this game by a tick. So you can, And you can't really complain about nine strikeouts from Flaherty. He looks like he's back. I think that increased velocity tells me that he's healthy. Um, and it's just in time for the Cardinals who are ready for the playoffs.
1: Yeah, and speaking of the playoffs, we will now take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll be joined by pitcherless writer Christian Crespo to talk about the current playoff race in Major League Baseball. Stay tuned. All right, and we're back. Uh, We're joined by Pitcherless writer Christian Crespo. Uh, He's just
0: kind of written a couple articles about the current playoff race in Major League Baseball, although one of those races seems to be pretty wrapped up already uh, just a week after he wrote these articles. So that's how fast baseball moves, I guess, in in September. Uh, But Christian, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing well. How are you?
0: Good, I'm doing well as well. Um, I wish my twins were doing better, but you know, that's that's how it is, I guess. Oh yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's all good. Um well first time uh on the pod. Uh welcome. And just introduce yourself to our audiences, kind of how long have you been with PitcherList, what's your baseball background, you know, what teams do you root for? Uh things like that.
2: Yeah, so uh this is actually just concluding my first year at PitcherList nice um where i was part of the fan- fantasy baseball team but i kind of did a little bit of everything i don't know i like to uh, touch on a touch of touch on a ton of different topics um throughout the years just uh you know just stay engaged in real life baseball cuz really that's the most that's the most fun
0: mm-hmm.
2: but um so i I've worked in Major League Baseball for eight years oh, okay. uh, prior to this year. Uh, four years I spent with the Marlins in their marketing department and then uh, four years in player development with the Detroit Tigers. Oh, sick. Uh, so, yeah, I've, I've been involved a little bit. and um, So, born and raised in Miami, so obviously the Marlins. I, I stay loyal to my team, but at the end of the day, I'm just a, a fan of baseball and especially what's going on now with these playoff races.
0: Yeah, uh, I can imagine it's probably been a little, some, a couple bright spots as a Marlins fan, but mostly pretty uh, disheartening <laughs> at times.
2: Yeah, they uh, they fade pretty quick.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Um, any, I guess, asking any hope for next year? Do you think uh, the Marlins will will actually compete for the playoffs next year?
2: Yeah, I have the same amount of hope as I do every year. I just <laughs> hope that they get
0: through it. Yeah. I, <laughs> I totally feel that. That's kind of how I feel about the Twins yeah. sometimes, but <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going to jump into talking about your articles, and we're actually going to just start with the NL East. Um, it's been a good race there between Atlanta and the Mets, um, and Atlanta specifically has been a very interesting storyline, obviously coming in as you know the defending World Series champions, uh, losing you know a couple of the key guys that were on their team, most notably Freddie Freeman. Um, but this year it's been it's been cool because, you know, Acuna came back. Ozzy Albies obviously was out for the year. Uh, but they got a bunch of young players come onto the team and contribute. Um, and now, you know, they're, they're, they've clinched the playoff spot. Um, and they're still pushing to win that NL East division crown. Which of the young players has been particularly impressive to you this year? Um, and who do you think has some fantasy baseball relevance next year as we look towards drafts?
2: This is... Uh... This is a question that I've heard been asked a few times, and it's I've I've been going back and forth just because of the impact that they have, Um and it's obviously Michael Harris and mm-hmm. what he's done on the offensive side. Yeah, but then what Spencer Strider has been able to accomplish at a as a young up and coming ace in this game, just dominating on the mound. I mean, what he reached 200 strikeouts in 130 innings. Innings, yeah which is unheard of for mm-hmm. somebody his age just to basically be called up last year as a as kind of a fireman out of the bullpen for mm-hmm. their playoff run and then this year to be thrusted into the rotation um I don't know both just have such a great great overall impact just on the team but uh, the game seems different when Spencer Strider's on the mound so yeah. I think I have to I I'd say he's been kind of the catalyst for what they've been able to accomplish this year after losing Freddie Freeman.
0: Yeah. Our, our podcast has kind of been on the Strider train since spring training. Uh, I mean, he was, uh, kind of slated to be in that weird, like number five, number six spot, uh, coming out of spring. Um, and then basically once he started in the rotation, he basically never let go of that, that spot. And, um, yeah, it's kind of cool how his fastball is like arguably like one of the best pitches in baseball this season, um, which is not something you always see yeah, from one of those young guys.
2: He's, he's dominating, too, with a two-pitch mix. Yeah. Because he rarely ever throws his changeup. So it's strictly fastball slider, and mm-hmm. the hitters still can't touch it. Right, and that's, yeah. That's the most impressive thing out of all of it to me. Right.
0: Yeah, you'd expect kind of some, some – uh, regression towards the mean or you know people being able to see it a little bit better get more tape on this guy yeah. but yeah he's been dominant even you know uh this at even in the final months of the season so it's it's clearly working yeah. for him which i think is cool um and then yeah michael harris the second obviously it was kind of funny i remember looking at his stats you know probably middle of the season i was like oh just a number nine hitter i don't know if the, the you know atlanta's really trying to to get him in the game and and make an impact. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's, he's the guy. Um, So he's, he's definitely kind of a fun guy to, to be watching as well and, and seeing what the future holds for him. Yeah,
2: definitely. And I remember getting the update on my phone when he got called up, and you know, I saw you know Michael Harris promoted. It was the Jeff Passan tweet that I had seen. Oh yeah, and it's, you know Michael Harris promoted. Him. I'm like, okay, cool, like double A to triple A, and then yep. I see, and I'm like, no, he got <laughs> yeah. his contract selected by the Braves, made the jump to yeah. majors, and it's it's like he he just didn't skip a beat. You know, it didn't yeah. seem like he. Like it really got to him. He didn't really have like those immense struggles that you see rookies have when they make the transition from AAA A mm-hmm. to the big leagues. He just continued to roll uh, throughout the year. I mean, he's hitting over three hundred still yeah. at this point. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's remarkable. Like I said, you can't you can't sell short what either of them have done.
0: Yeah, for sure. It it's clear how much Atlanta likes Michael Harris kind of signing him to that contract extension very early on. Yeah. So uh, good oh, on yeah. them for locking him up, and and good on Michael Harris for, um, yeah, kind of just showing
2: securing the bag, pretty much. Yeah,
0: <laughs> just like <laughs> trip from double A to the majors, and in, and then all, now he's getting paid. So yeah, good for him. Yeah. Um, moving to the AL, but kind of a similar situation. Um, Cleveland is kind of one of those teams I've obviously followed a lot because of the AL Central race, but they've been relying on a lot of young players as well in. Uh, in their lineup Um, obviously Stephen Kwan who everyone was loving at the beginning of the season um, and still kind of contributing in a meaningful way Um, Ahmed Rosario and Andres Jimenez who came over in the Lador trade have obviously been been pretty solid pieces Oscar Gonzalez has been on fire in September Um, but the one that really surprises me the most is actually Tristan McKenzie and he's not really like one of those Young, young guys. I mean, I think he he debuted last year, so he's still you know young in his career. But he definitely took a big step this year. Uh, you know, what do you see for Tristan McKenzie's kind of future in Cleveland? Is is he kind of the next great Cleveland ace that we've kind of become used to seeing?
2: Um, I don't know if um, I mean he's what he's done this year has been incredible. He, he's made such such strides. From last year to this year, especially mm-hmm. in terms of consistency and the way he's able to attack the zone, but still keep hitters off balance in doing so. Yeah. Um, you no, know, I I definitely think he's a top of the rotation arm, but mm-hmm. when it comes to like saying ace, I, I I look at you know, and it's it's one of those things that everybody says, like his frame, like yeah. will he, will he his body be able to hold that?
0: Right. Yep.
2: Where where will the Guardians be able to take him before like his body starts to break down? Because that's the thing about Cleveland and that organization. Mm-hmm. They are a pitching factory. Yep, They continue to pump out high leverage arms consistently. It's like every year you just wonder, you know, where this guy come from? And, yep. you know, going back to last year, they drafted Gavin Williams. Gavin Williams has been great in their farm system this year too. And it's just those guys they just continue to come up. So I think it's just... He's another one of those guys that they just got their hands on. And Tristan McKenzie was actually, um, I remember back in 2017, I worked the all-star game okay, yeah. uh, down in Miami when it was there. Mm-hmm. And Tristan McKenzie was part of Futures game. right? So I got to see him and, you know, I saw him and I, I just thought he was like maybe a brother of a player that was there. Like he was <laughs> yeah. just so skinny, so small, but, he's been on people's radar ever since back then so yeah. he's young but he's been around the game for a while and it's it's good to see him finally you know break out into what everybody thought he was going to do at the big league level.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny looking at I mean yeah the big thing when you see Tris McKenzie is his, is his frame. He's you know 6-5 165 pounds that's that that's at least what's listed but you know basically
2: 165 you... pounds that's like full <laughs> uniform yeah exactly like after <laughs> like
0: soaking, soaking wet yeah, yeah after a rainstorm <laughs> yeah exactly yeah uh yeah he it's kind of funny like i mean i follow a lot of basketball and you, you know you have these like 90 year olds who are just sticks you know coming coming into the, the pros and people are like oh they'll grow into their faint yeah. frame but just McKenzie's 25 like He's he's not at that point where it's kind of like oh he's going to continue growing you know he's uh that's kind of kind of what you see is what you get with McKenzie
2: you're gonna start calling him sticks out there
0: I know it's it's kind of incredible that he's he's been able to be this consistent this year and last year really um kind of nearing almost thirty starts this season so um yeah kind of kind of pivoting off McKenzie though I, I kind of want to talk about some other guys on on the cleveland roster as well um mentioned uh oscar gonzalez uh rosario has been good it's steven kwan any of those guys you think like are are here to stay or like are going to be contributors in cleveland like next season or is it kind of just guys who just had a really good year this year
2: i think andre Jimenez is the real deal yeah I really I really like him. I like Timenez back when he was first coming up with the Mets. Mm-hmm, yep. He was always somebody I followed just because he always he just seemed like that ball player. He was never mm-hmm. gonna do anything flashy. Yeah. But he was always gonna get the job done somehow. And I mean he's he's really doing it this year. I mean, he's his OPS plus is hundred forty two. He made the all-star game this year. His F war is actually higher than what Francisco Lindor's is this year. So hmm. if you think about it in that way, it's just like maybe Cleveland won this trade and they're now paying $340 million for their shortstop. Yeah. For sure. Obviously, it's one year. It's one year, and he didn't have a great year last year. But it's good to see the improvements that he's made and the way he's been able to cons- like keep it consistent throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That-, that was the biggest thing for him because he always had these flashes. Uh, you knew the speed was going to play. You know, mm-hmm. he had pretty good bat to ball skills, and it's showing like in his strikeout numbers. I don't even think he's eclipsed a hundred strikeouts this year yet. Coming into today, so it's it's been. It's been fun to watch him grow, but no. You also mentioned. I mean, everybody was also talking about Stephen Kwan, like you said. Mm-hmm. But uh, Oscar Gonzalez and what he is doing right now. Yeah. I mean, it's he he is lighting. I mean, it was finally the protection that Jose Ramirez is needed. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that power that. Power threat, a consistent power bat behind him because you know Josh Naylor had his spurt throughout the year too. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know his fire, his fiery persona, headbutting Tito Francona yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh, after after a walk off. You know that's that's great and all, but you know, Oscar Gonzalez has been the real deal. And for a young guy to come up and be able to essentially carry the middle of that lineup mm-hmm. uh, the way he has and give them that cushion now in the AL Central, it's been fun.
0: Yeah. I was looking at Jimenez's stats and I was actually kind of impressed with like the power there. He's got 16 homers on the season. Um, you know, I don't think he ever was really known as kind of a guy who would, you know, maybe could get to 20 homers in a season, but it's good to see for the, for at least for the guardians that they've, you know, basically have second base locked down potentially for the next five, you know, 10 years, Who, who knows, but, um, yeah, he's been he's been a lot of fun to watch this season and break a lot of hearts in fantasy, to be honest. Um, just, uh, just being with so so <laughs> yeah. consistent. And, he's,
2: and he also has like I think like five more years of control too. So yeah, he's only twenty four. Spot with him if he continues. Yeah, if he continues to make these strides, he's he's going to be a good ball player for a while.
0: Yeah, and uh, funny story about Oscar Gonzalez. I guess I, I was at a Twins Cleveland game, I think last week or maybe two weeks ago, and every time he came up to bat i was just so nervous that he was just going to just hit one out of the park cuz he'd been on such a hot streak in september um every every time i think he's yeah. kind of one of those guys that right now if you're watching you know cleveland baseball every time he comes up to the plate you're kind of just wondering how, what is this guy going to do cuz he's been so hot this this month um and it'll be fun to see how he does in the playoffs uh in october
2: yeah and he's mashing too like he's hitting the ball
0: hard yeah for sure. Moving back to the NL, uh, NL East again, um, Philly is kind of one of those teams. Uh, they had a very interesting offseason, basically going full offense, no defense. Um, and they're currently third place in the wild card standings. Uh, they've been kind of struggling, though. They've been 5-5 in their last 10 games. Um, I think they're kind of even for September. They were doing a little bit better in August. Um, who do you think needs to step up for them right now to make sure they lock in that playoff spot?
2: And and when I wrote the article um last week, I thought Nick Castellanos needed to come back to really carry this team. Yeah. And it was gonna be their way, their only way to do it. Yep. And there was a report that just came out saying that he felt still some soreness in his side. Uh-huh. So they don't think he's gonna be actually be back this year. Right. Yeah. And that's tough because they signed him to be that impact, you know, another impact bat in the yep. middle of that lineup because Kyle Schwarber, yeah, he has 40 home runs, but he's batting 215. Yeah. <laughs> That's not going to – he's a true two-outcome player right now. He's yeah. striking out <laughs> or he's getting a home run. Yep. And he's mm-hmm. leading off for them too, so it's not like they're, they're guys on base. There are a lot of solo shots. Um, JT Remudo since June was – has just been on fire for that team, and is really he's really been the one carrying them. You know, with Bryce Harper in and out of the lineup dealing with his injuries. Yep. And, you know, Bryce has been good since he's been back, but it just it just hasn't been enough. And then they've taken shots to that rotation too yep. with Kyle Gibson. Just lately, he's really hit a wall. Uh, Zach Wheeler went down. They had guys like Bailey Falter step up here and there, but that's mm-hmm. not you know that's those aren't the type of arms that are going to get you into the playoffs. And their right. bullpen is their bullpen is a Phillies bullpen. Like there's just no consistency in there.
0: Yeah, so it's been. It's in rough. Yeah, I think they're on their like third closer or something, for their fourth closer at this point of the season. Yeah, it, so. <laughs> it
2: always it's just like a rotating <laughs> door back there.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, the team that's coming up uh, right behind them are the Brewers. They're only two and a half games out. Um, Thirteen to go left in the season. Um, the Brewers have a, a lot of interesting storylines. Obviously, they traded Hader at the deadline, um, which was huge, um, and looks like it kind of worked out for them don't know exactly yeah we'll see um and then you know we had the early season struggles of brandon woodruff we had kind of a mid-season blip for corbin burns um christian Yelich looked really really good at the beginning of the season um but i think he's kind of tailed off a little bit um but they've had you know decent contributions i think you mentioned the article from like willie adames and uh rowdy Telez as well um who has impressed you for who has impressed you this season for the brewers and kind of maybe similar question to, as as Philly, who do you think needs to step up for them to kind of be able to get into that third wild card spot?
2: I mean, it's obviously Christian Yelich, right? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> uh, I, I I don't know. He just hasn't been the same player since he, I wrote it in the article too. He just hasn't been the same player since he fractured his kneecap mm-hmm. um a couple of years ago in Miami. Uh, so it's for me, it's, it's that rotation, you know, this, the lineup was always going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Cause there was, a, You, I never felt as if there were, they really did enough to make it a strong lineup throughout. Like, yeah, they traded for Hunter Renfro. And like I said, Willie Adams has been good for them, but he hasn't been the same Willie Adamas he was last year. Rowdy Telez has 30 plus home runs and he's giving them a lefty power bat, but. Other than that, you're not really getting consistent production throughout. So it was always going to be that pitching rotation, mm-hmm. and Corbin yep. Burns. It, you can say what you want about Corbin Burns this year, but a lot of people expected him to replicate what he did last season, and that just wasn't going to happen. Right. So what he's giving, what he's giving them this year is what he's going to give them, and you can't, you can't be upset with a three three ERA and what yep. he's doing with his strikeout numbers, almost 11 Ks per nine. I mean, he's doing he's performing really well. Mm-hmm. His problem right now is probably the home runs that he's been giving up, but even then, I mean, then they lost Freddie Peralta yep. again now after he came back from his injury. Like you said, Brandon Woodrow from the beginning of the season was really struggling. Um, Adrian Hauser, you know, he's not a, a big name, but you know, he's done well for them throughout the year. But he was also hurt. Aaron yep. Ashby got hurt. Yep. they just their starting rotation just hasn't it just hasn't been what they needed it to be because even when they traded Hader, the back end of their bullpen was still really good. Right. So yep. they, they, they got Taylor Rogers back and they still had Devin Williams and his airbender changeup. That just, it just never seems to amaze, like amaze <laughs> me what he does. Yep. Um, yeah. it's a, it's that starting rotation. It just never, a lot of the times it, it, they needed, they were depending on them too much
0: essentially mm, yeah. going into this. Yeah, and I mean, obviously we saw injuries kind of, kind of deal a blow to that, that lineup. But yeah, I mean, like Eric Lauer is going to be coming back pretty soon, I think, from injury, or is back already. So um, maybe there's a little bit of hope for them that they have some rotation help. And um, yeah, it's it's going to be tough. I I don't personally, I don't see how the Brewers can make up a two and a half game stretch without Philly kind of giving away a few games. But at the same time. The way I that
2: San Diego just faltered again today, they oh, gave up they... the lead and ended up losing the game. So, oh wow, they might back the Brewers might back themselves into the last playoffs playoff ball.
0: <laughs> Yeah, well, let's kind of maybe do some uh, predictions uh, since that's kind of you know the fun thing to do. Uh, like I mentioned, the Ale race, the Ale Central race is pretty much over. Um, the Guardians are up by I think six games over the White Sox and. Um, but it doesn't look like they're slowing down in any way. So um, yeah, I think that that race is pretty much done. Um, but who do you like in the NL East and the NL wildcard race right now? Who do you see is going to the playoffs and winning that division?
2: Uh, I say it every, And it's the Mets are going to met. <laughs> and it just always seems to happen. Like, no matter how much I love the guys and their team, uh Pete Alonso, Francisco Lindor. I'm a huge Starling Marte fan. Oh, really? Um, okay. Mark, Can- Mark, yeah. Mark Cano was such a great signing for that team too. I just think yeah. he's such like a dependable player. Great, just a great guy. I like to have in the clubhouse. Max Scherzer is just a beast on the mound. Jacob DeGrom has been unstoppable. But at the end of the day, they're just. I don't know. They just always seems to fall apart. Yeah. I, I don't, Nobody, nobody could explain it. You just blink and it's, well, the Braves are going to win the NL East. Right. And yeah. uh, I, I kind of think that's what's going to happen again now. And, and it's going to come down to that final series next weekend when they're in Atlanta playing each other. And it's going to be so much
0: fun. Yeah. That will definitely be some fun baseball to watch. Yeah. Um yeah, I remember oh man, it was like 3 or 4 weeks ago, probably a little maybe over a little month and we were talking about the NL East race on this podcast. We're like, "Oh, you know, the Mets are up the decent number of games, you know. Like Yeah. There's no way that they could pot- potentially lose uh this this division race and then, you know, low and behold here we are with them only a game And it's ahead. crazy.
2: It's crazy because they never really went on like a huge losing stretch. Yeah, the Braves just didn't stop winning.
0: Right. Yeah. Super and they, hot.
2: And they just haven't stopped. They yeah. picked up. It's like last year. Last year Acuna went down, and ever since then, it lit a fire under them. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. exactly sure what it was that happened this year because obviously Acuna's been in and out. He mm-hmm. hasn't been the same player. You know, he's. As of late he's you know hitting those nice opposite field home runs but they're just getting the consistent contribution and it's it's just those young guys that are yeah. firing them up mm-hmm. and it's a lot of fun to watch because it just goes to feel like the youth movement in baseball this year is real.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's a
2: perfect example.
0: Yep. And then who do you see kind of taking that last spot in in the wild card standings?
2: I think it'll finish the way it is now. Okay. Yeah. Uh just because I don't think Milwaukee doesn't really have the, the lineup to support like these final couple games. Philadelphia, they'll get Zach Wheeler back and mm-hmm. I think they'll be fine because they're also talking about moving Cinder or they put Cindergaard in the bullpen now. Right. Yep. So I mean that's that's a guy that, you know, his his velo hasn't returned to what it was pre T J and that's to be expected because that doesn't normally happen, but now it gives them a chance to shorten him up a bit and maybe add a few miles per hour. And maybe that's the, the swing, maybe that's the Spencer strider for them to help them get into the postseason this year.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
2: Just a guy going in there, throwing his fastball slider combination that had, you know, before TJ, it was his bread and butter. Yep. Uh, So maybe gives them a chance. And their lineup is, even though they're scuffling, like their lineup, they they'll figure it out. They've got pros, in that lineup, and then the Padres, the Padres are like the Mets. It's just like they <laughs> yeah. have all the talent, yep. But they just find a way to just fudge it all up, yeah. And it's you know Juan Soto just needs to be Juan Soto. I know,
0: right? I've been and saying that this I entire season, like, though.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. But I, I just think like everything that happened with him in Washington to begin the year, like going back into you know the lo- the lockout essentially and then mm-hmm. coming right out of the lockout it was all like oh are they going to keep him are they going to extend him like right. yep. here's an offer he doesn't want it and I just think that when that happened it was kind of a lost season for him because he never really looked like he was in that Juan Soto form mm-hmm. yep um, it- it's just like Manny Machado continues to do his thing and. He's one of the most underrated players in baseball, and somebody could say, "Oh, how are you going to say a three hundred million dollar man is underrated?" Well, yeah. no, he he's pretty underrated because nobody nobody talks about him. But yeah. he's to my my biggest thing for them is going to be that starting rotation, mm-hmm. and it's yep. going to be Joe Musgrove because yeah, uh, prior to prior to his last start, where he looked like vintage Musgrove, and I wrote this in the article too, like he had been struggling. Yeah, Mm -hmm. He was not that same guy that got him that $100 million extension. Like He was having trouble commanding the zone. He was giving up the long ball a lot, and that Mm -hmm. just wasn't like him. But it seems like he's right at the ship, and and Josh Hader looks like not the same Josh Hader as previous years, but he looks like he's slowly getting back into it, and that's going to be huge for them going down the stretch.
0: Yeah, I I don't think anyone really – I don't think people talk about the rotation – uh, enough in San Diego because obviously, like, you want to talk about this, the the stars there, right? With Soto and, and Machado, but you know, you Darvish and and Musgrove, it's a really good one-two punch that they have there. And then, of course, Blake yeah. Snell, you know, the ever the enigma of like, is he the near no hitter that he had yesterday? Yeah, exactly. Right, he has those performances, and then you look at kind of the rest of the season. It's kind of like, ah, oh, that's been it's been an okay season for Blake Snell. Uh, and Mike
2: Clevenger is just like it's so weird he's just polar opposite outings every time yeah. he goes out there you just you just never know because at times he looks very good like his pitches are sharp he's getting really good break on them mm-hmm. like just a deception he, he's a funky guy yeah like he creates enough deception just by the move his physical movement pre pitch on the mound yeah but it- you know when he's putting it all together, he looks really good. So he can also be a really good wild card for them, yeah, as well. And then you know they had um, Mackenzie Gore obviously before yep. trading him off. He mm-hmm. really helped them in the beginning of the year, and they, they've had the contributions. It just hasn't been consistent, right. and that's their biggest thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting to see in like a you know because the wild card series right now are best of three, I believe. Yeah. Um. Three. Yeah. So you know, just seeing how they use that rotation in the playoffs, um, and you know if they make it past that into the into the divisional round, just kind of you know where do they yeah. put those guys and and how do they set themselves up for success? So, um. Yeah. Definitely. Now, at the end
2: of the day, I just, I just want to see a Dodgers Braves NLCS.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that would be really fun. I I, I remember watching yeah. that that the championship series last year. And just I was convinced that the Dodgers were going to win because you know how do you beat that team? And then Yep. The, the Atlanta was just that was just so much fun to to witness and 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 be a part of. So That's crazy, yeah. Well, I guess speaking of the playoffs, you, you know, you mentioned you want to see Dodgers, Dodgers, Atlanta in 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 the championship series. Who do you have as your two World Series teams, and who do you think ultimately wins wins the championship?
2: I mean, I mean is it is it cliche to say like? You know, I want not I want, but like the Astros and the Braves are going to make it back again the way that they're playing right now. <laughs> yeah, it's just so tough. It the baseball fan in me wants to see Seattle in the World Series. Oh, that would be a lot because of fun. that team that team is so fun to watch. Yeah, it's it's incredible. Just a Seattle Atlanta World Series matchup. I w- I would be locked in. Yeah. Like I, I've seen enough of the Dodgers. I know they're good. Right. right. Yeah. Like, just let let the young guys take over, right? Like that would be like the official inauguration of like the up and comers, like right? J. Rod on the, you know on on the Mariners with the rest of that young pitching staff and you know the contributions of you know Jared Kelnick. He got brought up yesterday, first game back. He went he, he hit that go ahead home run for them, so he's yeah. officially back. Now everybody's going to jump back on that band. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's um. That's that's such a fun that's such a fun team. Like they're just oh, no matter what's going on, they just always look like they're having fun. And it's the same thing with the Braves. Yeah, just a bunch of just a bunch of kids just going out there and having fun playing the game.
0: Right. Yeah. You, you kind of think about uh, like when Washington won won the World Series, and that was kind of Juan Soto's you know party coming out party of just being able to be like, hey, I'm here, and I'm I'm going to dominate for the next twenty years of baseball. Um, yeah, it'll be really fun exactly. to see you know J Rod and michael harris and spencer strider and uh yeah those guys just really uh introduced themselves on a on a national stage for sure Well, both
2: teams leading off the game acuna on one side jay rod on the other
0: that would be a lot of fun i would be i would really yeah. enjoy that um and then you yeah, obviously you got the elite pitching on on seattle's side where it's just got a lot of good guys there and in, in that rotation and um, yeah, and then let's not
2: talk about. Um, let's not forget about Max Freed, one of the one of the probably probably the most underrated pitcher yeah. in baseball. I completely right agree. As if it wasn't if it wasn't for Sandy Alcantara down in Miami, with what he's doing in his five complete games already, mm-hmm. yeah, another season over 200 innings. I mean, it's uh, Max Freed would be undeniably like the Cy Young.
0: Yeah. I, he's definitely had one of those really cool stories this year, where it's yeah. like he's just been so solid, just you know, Mister Dependable. You know what you're getting at yeah, when you and, put him out there.
2: But yeah, Max Freed. Max Fried has just been pitching on another level this year, and it like I said, and let, let's just do it. Let's just put them both in the World Series. <laughs> yeah.
0: I would not be disappointed with that. So I, that <laughs> let's just say that's that's uh that's our pick too well we'll we'll want to see a, a seattle versus atlanta world series i think that'd be fun let's do it yeah, yeah. well thanks for your time coming on the pod christian appreciate it um yeah, thanks for having me yeah you got a twitter you know shout out kind of maybe what articles you got coming out how can people reach you uh on PitcherList?
2: list uh, so my twitter is at ccress underscore 26 and um right now we're really just trying to focus in on like the off season um i'm also writing for uh, another page as well where i really want to focus in on you know prospects now going into the off season cuz that's kind of like what what's going to be taking over mm-hmm. once the season once the season ends especially with the AFL and the rosters just getting released oh, yeah. and mm-hmm. there's a lot of there's a lot of excitement behind uh, behind that and me working in player development and working in the minor leagues like Prospects are just kind of my thing. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I like, I really get excited, you know, just looking in and, you know, just that's that's the future of the game. Yeah. Like you see all these guys and uh, it's fun. Yeah. Like Wander Franco was somebody I got to see when he was in low A ball in 2019. And, you know, look at him now. That's just like stories like that. And you get to follow these guys from, you know, from basically the bottom. And that's, uh, it's kind of what I want to start. diving into now the off season things are a little more calm it gives me more time to really really just study go deeper into analyzing these guys
0: nice is there any one guy that's kind of you think is uh under the radar that people should be paying attention to
2: Uh, i mean there there are a lot of guys yeah um, especially in the in the um the afl that's coming out like i know the brewers are sending uh, Jefferson Cuero, which is our catcher, it's, this guy, is, he's going to be a quick riser. He's turning, I think, 20 years old, but he is dominating in the minor leagues. Um, the Cardinals are sending essentially the future over there to Arizona this year. Um, and then a guy I really like is Emmett Sheehan that the Dodgers are sending over. Um a guy I've really been following a lot this year, him and Gavin Stone Okay. and Gavin Stone. I've been following since the beginning of Gavin Stone was somebody that really popped on a lot of people's radar this year. So guys like that, just that they've showed tendencies throughout the year and they've built on them. Those are the guys that I want to start highlighting so people can get familiarized with their names.
0: Cool. Well, yeah, everyone go check out, uh, Christian's Twitter and also his articles on Pitchlist and yeah, any new stuff that he comes out with, uh, prospect content because that's definitely going to be kind of tiding us over during the off offseason uh, especially with the yeah. afl coming up so yeah thanks yeah. again for your time appreciate you coming on the pod absolutely thanks for having me
1: now let's talk about the streamers for this upcoming weekend as usual for the playoff stretch we're going to recommend some pitching streamers as well as some hot bats that you might want to stream in case you're looking for a hot bat to boost your lineup john who we got on the docket for this weekend
0: yeah. Well, I wanna start off. I normally don't apologize for these things, but <laughs> we did really bad on our Stewart recommendations. Yeah, they weren't, they weren't last good. Week. They weren't good. They were not pretty. Uh which makes it very surprising that the first guy I'm recommending today is Wade Miley of the Cubs. Uh yes, we recommended him last week. Yes, his roster ship has not changed too much. Twenty one percent on <laughs> Yahoo, eight percent on on ESPN. He is going against Pittsburgh. I will say, right, Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. I think Wade Miley can take advantage of this Pittsburgh matchup. I've said this before. I'll say it again. Uh, yeah, I I will say after that Marlins start, I, I don't know if I have too much confidence in Miley. Um, he was a little bit unlucky. You know, there were a couple errors in that game. He actually finished with three earned runs instead of the seven runs that he gave up. So, you know, maybe that's a little bit of a bright spot there. Um, but yeah, if you still want to stream this late in the season, I think Miley feels like the best move on Saturday. Um, there's a lot of aces going on Saturday, so really, there's just not a lot of not a lot of pitchers to pick from. So Wade Miley of the Cubs on Sunday, we got Anibal Sanchez of the Nationals. He's nine percent roster in Yahoo, four percent roster on ESPN. He goes against the Marlins. And look, the Nationals are more than willing to let their pitchers go deep at this point. They have nothing to play for. Sanchez has a 2.08 ERA in September over, I believe, three starts. He got a quality start against the Marlins the last time out. So there's no reason that he can't do it again, right? Uh, it feels weird picking a Nats pitcher, but I think I think when you're against the Marlins, it feels like a good matchup there. And then Ronson Contreras with the Pirates, 22% roster in Yahoo, 9% roster in ESPN. He goes up against the Reds. He actually struck out 10th in his last outing. He couldn't finish five innings here at the Yankees, went 4.2, so he did get rocked a little bit. But now he gets the Reds at home, away from Cincinnati, and if he can strike out 10 Yankees, imagine what he can do to a Reds team. So, Ronzi Contreras, definitely one of those guys that I think is a good pickup. There is a very small slate on Monday, so um, if you know that you want to stream on Monday, I would suggest maybe getting this pickup a little bit earlier, uh, if you're competing with someone to stream, uh, because... Yeah, that slate is very tiny, and Contreras is probably the only pitcher worth picking up. Moving on to hitters, Rodolfo Castro the Pirates. He's still only 23% rostered on Yahoo, 6% rostered on ESPN. Yes, we talked about Rodolfo last week. He's still below that pickup threshold, and guess what he did? He hit two homers with four RBIs. That's really solid from a dude that you just picked off waivers. I, seriously, you need to pick up this guy. He's been so hot. He gets to face the Cubs and the Reds, and those pitching paths do not inspire any confidence, despite the fact that I suggested you pick up Wade Miley. So, yes, there's a little bit of confusion here, but I do think Rodolfo Castro is worth the pickup, even just to sit on your bench and just make sure that your opponent doesn't get him. He's going to be serviceable for the rest of this week. And then Tony Kemp of the A's, he's 16% roster in Yahoo, 11% roster on ESPN. I really want to emphasize here that Tony Kemp is not a particularly good baseball player, uh, in terms of hitting. But looking at his rolling charts, his ex-WOBA uh, the, over the f- last 50 plate appearances, uh, that rolling graph is actually trending above league average. Uh, it's also trending above league average in the last 100 plate appearances. So he's definitely doing something well. Um, that's maybe the thing that you need to get the leg up on your opponents, especially you're in an OBP league. He does not strike out. Um, he does get walks. Um, he gets on base. So if you, if you need help specifically in the OBP department, Tony Kemp is an interesting look.
1: Yeah, so Wade Miley, is just funny to see him back on here. At least his earned runs weren't terrible like the seven he gave up. So that's at least a bright spot. But yeah, our streamers were not very good that we recommended last time. And hey, we don't get it right every time. But I would say we're at like 75% this season. And that's pretty good. I mean, I'm happy about that. That's a good suggestion point there. And Anibal Sanchez, yeah, the Nats aren't playing for anything. They're just going to let him pitch. And he's been really good in September. Like you said, a 2.08 ERA. That's fantastic. And then Ronzi Contreras. 10 Ks against the Yankees, which is phenomenal. Obviously, he didn't pitch that well. He gave up a lot of runs. But it was impressive to see this young guy go out there and you know strike out 10 Yankees. So mm-hmm. against the Reds, I like that matchup a lot, especially on a Monday, small slate. Like John said, go out and grab him before your opponent does because that's one you want to grab early. And then Rodolfo Castro, I picked him up in the Grapefruit League for a pitcher list. He was one of the reasons why I almost beat the guy who was inactive because he was so good. Rodolfo Castro is someone that you can really rely on right now. He's must-own at this point. Multiple position eligibilities. Hot hitter. You should be rostering this guy and hopefully having him lead you to a championship. And then Tony Kemp is a great shout. OBP leagues, very good. Like you said, his ex WOBA in 50 plate appearances, trending above league average. That's really fantastic. So even though the A's are bad, Tony Kemp can still be a bright spot and hopefully help your fantasy teams out. But that will do it for this week's episode of This Week in Fantasy Baseball. Before you go, please drop us a follow on Twitter at PL and send us your comments and questions to ThisWeekPLpod at gmail.com. You can also find John on Twitter at Ka, that's T-H-E-J-O-H-N-K-E, and myself on Twitter, it's at Regicidal, that's R-E-G-I-C-I-D-A-L. Also, please subscribe to this podcast on whatever streaming platform that you listen to your podcasts on. We are on all of them, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever else. Make sure you drop us a follow or subscription, and please leave us a five-star review if you did enjoy the show. It helps other people know that this podcast is good Lastly, sign up for PitcherList Plus. By doing so, you can join us in the PitcherList Discord and get advice from all of the fantasy experts and writers over there. It's a great resource, so make sure to sign up for PitcherList Plus. But that's all for this week. We will be back next week recapping another week in fantasy baseball. For John, I am Lee. We'll see you all in the next one. Later, everyone.